the Day One Patch Podcast. Oh no, you stole it! <laughs> the mutiny. I'm Hello, kidding. welcome to Day One Patch Podcast, episode three twenty three. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Ryan Johnson. I don't remember putting the date on there. Do I always put the date on this layout? Yeah, I think I do. Um, some of the top stories today include. <laughs> oh wait, I forgot. Tim Spence is here. Matt Lawrence is here. God, we've been forgotten. Oh yeah, I was going to say we we both got forgotten. Ryan's doing a solo show. Yeah, you know we should do, Matt. We should go make our own podcast. Yeah, that's but- it. We're gonna you make the, we're gonna make the the day two patch podcast. <laughs> day two, <laughs> you could do the the day zero. Oh, be at your own game. Uh, but if uh, if you weren't forgotten, could you have been remembered? Because I did remember. All right, you guys. Tim, we're making the, we're making the Crimson Desert podcast. <laughs> Let's get the hell out of here. No, oh God, why of all things? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can they even afford to sue us? Oh my god! I don't oh, know. Geez. They might. They might be big. I, I'm buying that game. Like, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. <laughs> what game? Crimson Desert. Is I don't it know that yet. No, I don't think so. It's coming out. It was shown off the game awards. Yeah, yeah it was shown I off. Would presume it's not so. Coming out. Why is it not <laughs> yeah, yeah out? it was shown off, but it's not coming out specifically. Why isn't it coming out? <laughs> no, it is. It is. Okay. For the listener, Crimson Desert is coming out. Please check your local listings for release dates. There you I go. Google cool listings. Now. I got to check my li- local listings. Crimson you get, get, Desert? You get your TV guide out, like the actual like pa- like paper one, and you got to like buy a new one every year. Oh, my God. Is this that one you liked, Matt? Yeah. That's why I'm buying it. Oh. <laughs> I didn't... I got. I didn't buy Demon Souls because that's that, that isn't my thing. You should. Or is it? No. Or is all it? right. Some of the top stories include Microsoft increasing the price of Xbox Live Gold. Uh, Apple's first headset to be a niche precursor to eventual AR glasses. Uh, Blizzard absorbs Activision Studio after dismantling Classic Team, Classic Games Team. And uh, Sony's new San Diego team is working on existing franchises as well. We have the return of the Query Corner question. But we shall, we shall start our show with what's new. Matt, what's new? Me? Uh, um, yeah. Uh, uh, well, this week, I don't know. I just sort of did a bunch of... Uh, I just sort of did a bunch of multiplayer stuff again. Um, did a whole bunch of War Thunder, actually. So I've been playing this for a while. It's been like my multiplayer games so i kind of have like a an xbox group of friends that i play with and uh we kind of got sick of call of duty and some of them weren't weren't fans of call of duty cold war so we you know we just kind of fatigued ourselves on modern warfare not not a fan of cold war apparently i've never tried it so um we did a little bit of gta there a few weeks ago and that kind of petered out because i mean that's that's getting old (laughs) so we just lately we've just been playing war thunder it's a free game I think it's XS, like, even enhanced. It's just, like, kind of like a World of Tanks, but there's, like, ship battles, tank battles, and uh, plane battles. We do the the tank battles, and it's supposed to be, like, I would say it's called, like, hyper-realism, but I don't know how realistic it is. But there's, like, a lot of stats and stuff to, like, deal with and and whatever. Uh, You have to, like, hit the certain parts of the tank. It's not just, like, shoot him until he's out of health. It's, like, actually, like, oh, this shot got lodged in this, but then it, like, went through and blew up, so it killed the crew. So you only have one crew member and that tank can't be like run with one crew. So you die and so, like it's stuff like that. Um, it's like a little more technical or quite a bit more technical. So we've been playing the crap out of War Thunder. Um, that's been pretty fun. We've we've I've played that for over a year now, but it's just been kind of piecemeal. It's just like, again, free to play game, whatever. But it's uh, it's super fun. 
Uh, so I've been doing a heck of a lot of that. Doing um, a fair bit of Fallout 76 as well. Fallout 76 almost on the season, which is a little crazy considering how early it is. Um, which, I mean, it'll be good. So it means I'll probably complete a single player game or two. And there's a couple cool ones coming out. So, um, uh, Control PS5 version, whatever they're going to call that, I believe is coming out shortly. So I bought Control for a ridiculous sale a while ago on the PlayStation 4, and it came, I think it was like the complete version or whatever, and it said it comes with the PlayStation 5 version, whatever version I purchased. So I'm waiting on that. Um, and then, um, I think Tim Tim got a, Tim was gracious enough to get me a gift me a Disco Elysium and the complete uh, edition or whatever the like enhanced edition of that is coming out shortly as well. Um, so then I'll be those will be probably like my next two in whatever order sort of single player games. Um, but right now my single player game is Watch Dogs just as I wait for those. Um, and yeah, I've, I don't know. It's been rocking the rocking the multiplayer this week. It's funny, I, I bought you that game, and I've heard a whole lot about Disco Elysium as far as, like, hype, but I literally have no idea what that game is about at all. It is, as far as I know, and I'm keeping it vague intentionally, um, it is a free-roaming uh, detective, like, it's an open-world detective game. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, again, as far as I know, it it automatically upgrades to that, like, Enhanced Edition too, because I looked at, um, I looked at a bunch of... Uh, I looked at a bunch of like a uh, little like, I shouldn't say a, a bunch of let's plays, but I've looked up a bunch of like sort of promo material because I want I want to keep the game like a mystery and it mm. looks super interesting. So like I want like uh, I want to be able to like play it all once it all comes out. Um, so I'll be able to like probably rip through a bunch of the side quests and stuff like that, considering it's open world. But again, like I can only talk in <laughs> generalities about it because I'm trying to keep it mystery because because you're a detective, as far as I know, I would presume that any information would be a spoiler. Yeah, you know, so I'm trying to keep it intentionally vague. So that's why I'm just going to um, I'm going to do it then. But yeah, like uh, I'm super excited to play it like it's, it looks super interesting. And I think I first spotted it. I want to say like at the Game Awards a year or two ago. And I was just like I was interested by the style. And then I just looked it up and I was like, oh, that's a really cool concept. So mm -hmm. I, like that's that's as far as I'm trying to keep it like it's a cool concept. I know the general what you're going to do and then. Uh, I'm excited to actually like dive in and actually like beat the shit out of it. It's a it's a weird one. Yeah, have yeah, you played yeah, it? That looks cool. Yeah, I've I've only played it like once, and then I failed, and then I was just like, that's that's odd. Wait, you, <laughs> wait, you played it once and failed? Yeah. Like like you failed, or like the game was like game over? Please restart game. The, yeah, the game told <laughs> me please restart game. Yeah. Wait, you're serious? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I'm. I'm pretty excited. I failed maybe, the game. Maybe I'll maybe I'll boot this thing up quicker. This is uh, this is interesting. Uh, this reminds me of L.A. Noir and like when it first came out, and I didn't know that you can literally get all the wrong answers for everything in that game, and you can still beat it. Uh, uh, I didn't know yeah. that. So like when I was playing through it the first time, I felt like so much pressure on myself to get every <laughs> detail of every like case correct, because like that first fucking thing that you do where you have to interrogate the guy and if you don't do it right you like leave the interrogation room and your chief walks up to you and he's like you get your ass back in there and you oh, get yeah. me the information <laughs> I need or some shit like that and I was like I because like I failed the interrogation the first time because I wasn't like sure what I was supposed to be looking for and I was like what 
I this game's fucking hard. And so I like I had so much pressure to like do everything 100% correct and I just like got halfway through the game and I was just burnt out because it was just too stressful to play the stupid game. I wish I'd known that I could just like get everything wrong and you could still get through it. It was it was actually horrible because like we had a a let's play series or just sort of like a let's play comedy series on Ellie Noir, um, and like uh, I, I know that, like in the background like I think we beat the whole game not the DLC or maybe including the DLC but not all of it or something but we definitely hit credits and I don't, I don't think all the videos are up like all the way through, through credits but there's like there's a bunch of videos up uh, from it and that scene you're talking about is ingrained in my head you get yeah. back in there boyo. And give yeah. me some goddamn answers or whatever the hell he yeah. says. Like he's so pissed. And I like I think I spent like an hour editing that part where I kept just being like, all right, we're gonna do this properly. And like Cole Phelps opens the door, and then just I immediately cut back, you get back in there, boy. Like we had already failed it again. So yeah, yeah what a ridiculous be a while to get through. That one was oh, and then what's horrible was is like what you're saying, Tim, is the um the wrong answers so i think it was i think this was dlc is why i even mentioned it. i think this was a dlc case i think it was an arson dlc case <laughs> i didn't i didn't know what to do like i couldn't i think we had either taken a break for a week or something or like i didn't pay attention enough to the case and i just went on like my gut feeling i was like detectives do this all the time and i just sent the wrong person to jail like a hundred percent and like the da person was like well bit of a weird choice but i'm sure we'll have enough to book them and i was like wait a second that doesn't sound like that's the right person and i looked it up later and i was like oh shit <laughs> so you know <laughs> i would desperately love an la noir 2 or or something mm. man i know i really like the characters and stuff i just i i never actually got through the whole game i really should go back and play it again it's, it's funny it has one of those things where you remember it differently i remember the world yeah. being a lot more interesting yeah, um, but going back, it's just empty. The world's <laughs> so boring. To do yeah. anywhere. No, I mean we're just we're spoiled now, right? With with big yeah. open world games that have lots to do everywhere. Yeah, I remember yeah. our buddy, uh, our buddy Nate. Uh, he he's a big GTA fan, so as a result, a big Rockstar fan. loves loves Red Dead as well. And La Noire comes out. He's hot off the heels of GTA Four, which I think he was still playing at the time. Just he just loved driving around and like free roaming online and stuff. And <laughs> His story of L.A. Noir was amazing. He kept telling me about it, hyping me up, and I was like, I don't know, man. Like back then, I was just like a Halo player in the COD, so I was like, I was like, ah, oh, like I don't know, man. Like I don't really want to play it. And he he buys it, and I just hear nothing about it. Like I see him play it one day on 360, and I never hear about it. I never see him play it again. A couple weeks later, I'm online. I talk to him. And I'm like, hey, man, like what? You know what happened with Heli Noir? He's like, he's like, he's like, this is the exact thing that happened. He's like, I went through a half hour cutscenes. One interview, and then I was supposed to go and talk to somebody or interrogate them at their house. And he's like, I thought, oh, great. I actually going to have I'm going to have like a big driving moment. And he's like, I whipped around a corner, <laughs> smashed into the back of a of a, a car. My his axle popped out. Both my tires got popped and we went out and he's like, we basically exchanged insurance. And then I <laughs> deleted it off my hard drive. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> So yeah, not I, not not for the GTA fans, I guess. <laughs> no, I love the uh, well because the cars are so like heavy, right? Because it's supposed to be like period accurate, um, in, like the nineteen forties, fifties. Um, I love the I love the clips. I can't remember exactly who put them together, but like on YouTube, I think <laughs> maybe one of the videos was like a Manslayer video, and he's playing a Noir, and like he gets in a head-on collision 
and the car goes like the back end just goes straight up in the air and then it lands again and he just gets out of the car like normal and the other the lady gets out of her car and she's like you better bet you're paying for that or something like that it's like you've just seen the most ridiculous thing happen to your car and a cop gets out of the other vehicle and you're just like all right this is a casual exchange of our uh, personal information right now and um who's your insurance with like christ uh, what's new with you tim um nothing really to be honest uh i've just pretty much been playing the same three things i'm almost done yakuza like a dragon um surprising amount of grinding that you have to do in the game um more than i was expecting but it's like i guess pretty typical for the jrpg genre um and i like i'm i'm like 100 percent uh I'm I'm a completionist when it comes to like open world games, right? Like I like to do all the side stuff before moving on every time and like the main story and things. I do all the side stories, I do all the optional stuff. Um and usually in like most mainstream games in like RPG genre, that sets you up to just be like really overpowered. Um but I guess they kind of expect you to do that in this game because I'm like doing main story uh missions and stuff and I'm doing fights and I'm like, man, this fight is really fucking hard. Like, what is going on with this? And um, I was there's like one particular um, like character from the previous games. that's like really fucking strong. And I'm doing this fight and I'm like. Like there, there was there was a part where I like lost the fight for the first time and I was genuinely sitting there like, are you supposed to lose this fight? Like, it feels like I can't I can't keep up. He's doing so much damage. He can one-shot my characters from, like, almost full health. So I have to spend my turn, like, reviving them. But then he just knocks them out again. So I was it was just, like, a losing battle because I'm running out of, re- like, revival items. And I can't do enough damage to him. And I was like, this, this must be, like, a scripted fight, right? Like, you're supposed to lose this. And then one of the people um, it, that was, like, watching along while I was playing it was like, um, so... I was like level, my characters were like level 46 or something like that, 47. And they looked it up and they were like, apparently the recommended level for this fight is 54. And I was like, holy fuck. Like I've done how much grinding off the side just for like items or equipment or money or whatever else. All the side missions, all the optional stuff. And I'm like six levels below what the main story is expecting me to be at. Like, how much grinding was I supposed to do on top of what I've already done? <laughs> Jesus, eh? Um, but anyway, like, I managed to actually beat the fight at that level. Um, and it was fucking hard, but I managed to do it. And um, so I, you know, continuing through the game a little bit further and getting into, like, another major fight, because I'm, like, towards the end of the game. I'm in, like, the last chapter now. So it's all just a bunch of boss fights, basically. And I'm just doing boss fight after boss fight. And they're all, like, pretty hard because I'm definitely underleveled. Um, but, like, pretty much any time I have, you know, a spare hour or two, um, I'm just, like, off stream. I'm just, like, hopping onto the game to grind out a little bit more money or a little bit more experience or a couple more levels here and there so that, like... The end isn't too bad because I'm just fully expecting now that even with all the grinding that I'm going to do, I'm still going to be 10 levels lower than what the last fight is requiring. But anyway, it's it's uh, it's a good game overall. I don't mind the grind because it's it's still fun every time. Um, but aside from from Yakuza, um, I'm also playing a lot of Sea of Thieves on stream with um, with some friends from the UK. 
and that's been a blast because everyone's just kind of got like uh the same ideas of like what to do and like what's we find the same things in that game fun um it's just a good game to kill a lot of time in um and they, they have the english accent you want. match yeah that's right every pirate was english yeah um <laughs> and uh aside from that i've um i've been sort of like off off stream i've been playing um a decent amount of the monster hunter rise demo on the switch um I never really played the demos a whole lot in the past with like the the 3DS games and stuff like that just because I find fighting the same like four monsters over and over kind of boring even if you do get to use different weapons and stuff. Um I know it sounds kind of like counterintuitive to the game which is like what you're supposed to do is fight the same things over and over again to get, you know, items and and materials for gear and stuff but um I like the like I don't mind fighting the same monsters over and over again, as long as I get to fight, you know, five different ones in between fighting the same one over and over again. And there's only, I think, four, five different monsters in the demo, which is more, actually, I think, than previous demos I've had. Um, I kind of have more fun just sort of roaming around and, like, using the the updated movement system that they've added to the game it's a little bit more like you kind of spider-man your way around the map now which is pretty cool and like definitely unprecedented for a monster hunter game of all things um but uh but yeah it's 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 i'm really looking forward to the full game it's a nice taste but i can't just like sit and play the demo for hours i maybe do like 45 minutes at a time um, but then I do that maybe every day or every other day, so it's uh, it's good. I'm really looking forward to March 26th when it comes out. What a, and this is this is a, a Yakuza question. So when mm. you say you're grinding in Yakuza, like I understand this is a different formula, but to me, grinding in Yakuza from having played the other games is like I would have to wander around and fight the random gangs that would attack you. Are you mm-hmm. is is this game like tailored for grinding or is it literally a bunch of that? Yeah, you can do that. Um, that's not the best way to do it, though. Like, And previous Yakuza games have had it as well. Not that it was like the way that you would grind in those previous games, but the best way to grind in um, in in this game pretty much is to go to the like battle arenas, like the underground battle arenas, and um, pretty much just go through them over and over and over again. Okay. Because every time you like... Um, at least from what I found anyway, I might be, I might be wrong. Um, but there are like dungeons you can do as well. So like the dungeons are basically like the sewer areas in the different cities, but then there's also, um, like underground fighting arenas that you can go to. And those are, um, like wave based, whereas it's not like a dungeon crawl. Um, and with, uh, with that, you just, um, the waves are faster and you, you get less experience for each wave, but it's still like a whole hell of a lot more than you would get for doing, um, you know, like running around in the streets of whatever city and just fighting random encounters. Okay. Cause like, I, I like those other games, like, I guess suppose you could, you could grind your skill tree, but at the same time, because they were so story based, you didn't really ever need to. Like, I never really felt the need to run around and fight those guys. No, so I yeah. guess, you know what I mean? Like, like and it sounds like this game is better sure. equipped. 
in the previous games for sure like i never ever had to grind at all ever yeah. i never had to like the, i'd found the combat and like the final fights and stuff like that in the previous games definitely a lot more um like a lot easier i never had to i don't think i ever had a playthrough of a of a previous yakuza game myself where when i was just like doing you know my standard playthrough where i would play x amount of side stuff and then do the main story never felt like i had to go and grind um but with this game like i have actually felt like dang this fight is really hard and if it's if every boss fight from now on is just going to be like this then yeah i really need to go grind out of the two what do you prefer what like in terms of formula honestly i thought that i wasn't gonna like this formula because i was so like attached to the other games that i was like oh I, re- I don't really like jrpgs like i haven't played you know persona or final fantasy and stuff like that with like the turn-based or pseudo turn-based party based rpgs and stuff like that um but after playing it i feel like it might honestly be a little difficult to go back to the old games oh wow okay um i still have yakuza 0 installed and i've like i think i played it once since starting up this game um, just to like go back and kind of compare and like it was okay but I don't think that I would necessarily um, like like if I had to pick I, I don't know I'd probably have to go back and play um, like Kiwami 2 or Yakuza 6 or something something uh, uh, one of the previous series games but in the same engine because Zero would be hard to compare because as good a game as Zero is like it is a bit old now it's a bit aged I guess I haven't um, played in the new engine then. Yeah, Kiwami 2 and 6 are the ones that are in the same engine as Like a Dragon and Judgment. Which Oh, I forgot all about Judgment too. I'm yeah. freaking behind here. <laughs> I haven't uh I haven't finished that game either. So after I play this one, I'm probably going to like in my own time, I'm probably going to go back and and play through Judgment. Cuz I I, I played 0, like I played 4. Mhm. Four, not five, zero, a fair bit of Dead Souls or what the hell it's called. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> that game is, is just fun for, like, the the stupidity and craziness of it. Um, I mean, you could say that about any Yakuza game, but, yeah, that one is, like, a little bit more mindless than, uh, than the other ones, for sure. Yeah, it's just, like, you click an auto-aim button and you just shoot. Yeah. You don't really do anything else. Man, I remember playing that game at your place one time and like it, the I the part that I played was a boss fight where that thing is like crawling all over the walls and stuff and it was so like tedious and boring like all I did was stand in the center of the room with an Uzi and just shoot it when it came out of the walls <laughs> and it took like 15 minutes and it like never hit me. I was like this fight fucking sucks. This is boring as hell. That it was def it was weird about what was weird about that too was they could have had a zombie game just been like you I don't know, I guess you would martial like you'd use like martial arts like the other games. They could have just had like a like special infected or something. Been like the been like the equivalent. And then just had like, you know, more intimate fights with like the three or four zombies rather than hordes of zombies. You can't be fighting off hordes with martial arts. But it would have been way better to just have like the the, the classic Yakuza playstyle, I think with zombies because like the story was cool the quarantining was cool it was like i actually enjoyed seeing like the world evolve a bit too like you know you get pushed back to certain areas and stuff like that in the game but 
like Christ, was that game boring because of that? Like I, every single time I left the city, <laughs> I knew and, and then like was given a gameplay moment. I knew it was just going to be like I think it was like hold down L1 and press R1 or whatever to shoot. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty sad. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, um, you know, Dead Souls is a great game. But like, you know, if you're itching for more Yakuza characters and stuff like that, but just in a sort of a different format, I mean, the story it works. Kind of, it kind of scratches that itch a little bit. So. What are you up to, Ryan? Um, I well, I mean, first of all, we all beat Diablo, too. Oh, that's right. Hell yeah, we did. That was uh, last week. Just last week we did that. Uh, that was a um, overstated welcome, but it did have the expansion on there. So it wasn't like the base game was overly long. Well, it let me ask you a short game when you actually like look at it. Yeah. In comparison to modern games, for sure. Yeah, it was, f- it's pretty short. The four acts, the four acts, like I remember we, we started getting a little annoyed with the fifth act, which is Order of Destruction, which is the expansion. But like, I remember we were getting bored because like the um, environments were getting really boring and stuff. Well, but I feel the same, as, yeah. I feel as though like that fifth act is for the people that would have been like, I need to play more, and so they just would grind. For us, where we were just like, let's you know, effectively hit credits, let's be beat the game. That just mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't built for us. Like it was built it was built for the Diablo guys where because that Bale like doing like killing Lord Ball or Bale or whatever his name is. Bale, yeah. Um like killing him, those were called bail runs back in the day, and like you would just do that to level your character, and you would do it on normal, then nightmare, and then hell, or you would like get speed run through it or whatever. Like I can't exactly remember the formula, but I like doing that like part where he laughs and summons people is like ingrained in my brain. <laughs> like I, I remember that if, exactly. I don't know if our builds weren't correct or if we were doing something wrong, but the whole idea of just like spamming your health potions. Yeah, is really bad. Now, of course, I'm, I imagine you can get super technical with this game. You can find the best armor and the best stats or whatever else and make a killer build. But for me, it was just like I was blasting through health potions. And if I didn't, I would be dead every single time. I so, remember when much... we when we played like uh, I used to play it religiously online. And when we played like I played one, I played what I used to play was a trap sin, which was a trap assassin. Expansion character, I believe, too. Um, but I used to play as a Hammer Pally, Hammer Paladin, uh, or um, an Ice Sorceress as well. And each of those builds slash characters was sort of designed for farming in a specific way. Like my Sorceress could teleport around the map to find certain boss rooms to then kill that boss to see if he dropped an item and then effectively go kill more bosses or exit and restart to go kill that boss again. And you would just do that all day to farm like a certain item that you wanted. Mm-hmm. And I did find that like, like Diablo fell into the trap that a fair bit of MMOs falls into, which is you need to make money. You need to make items or whatever it is. Uh, so what you do is you make a character which saves up money and resources to make another character, which can save up money faster than your previous character so that you can make another character like it's just that loop and diablo like that's right. why we had so many characters because my trap sin was good at this my ice sorceress was good at this so spamming potions is just really a part of it but it's also the gameplay like uh in fallout 76 not to bring that up again but in fallout 76 like i have like no health um 
So there are some fights where I'm going to die because I'm a bloody build. Now, yes, I can wear my power armor and stuff like that, and I should be prepared. But I need to prepare for those fights now. Like you're not playing when you play at the level of the of technicality that we've that I've reached anyway in Fallout 76 and that I did reach in Diablo 2 back in the day. You are no mm-hmm. longer playing the game normally. So I think we were playing it normally, if that makes sense. I suppose, yeah. But we're going to be starting up Diablo 3 tonight, which I'm pretty excited for. Mm-hmm. It's definitely it's... a big jump in terms of uh, modern gameplay. It's like more than 10 years later <laughs> that it came out. Uh, I just I just thought of something, though. Can I play the... I, want, I, I bought the Necromancer expansion. Can I play as that even if you guys don't own the Necromancer? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I think okay. so. Because I right. definitely don't own it. Um, and i also just been playing uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising, which is a, a really great game. Mm. Other than that, I uh, preloaded uh, the Medium on my Xbox Series X. It'll be the first game I... I guess first new game I actually attempt to play on there. What is that? The medium? Hmm. It's the uh, I think I can't remember where it's shown off. Um But uh you kind of play like a an actual medium, like someone who can see like ghosts and whatnot, or or talk to the the uh user psychic abilities to uh uncover secrets apparently. Um and you there's like two different worlds. You can kind of switch between worlds, I guess. One's kind of like real life and one's some sort of spirit realm or something like that. And is this a horror game? Yeah, and that's where I that's might not weird. actually finish it. That's why I said I'll, it'll be the first one I attempt. Didn't you start Zero, though? Yakuza Zero? Yeah, that kind of fell off. I, I'm not sure if I like the gameplay in it. It felt very kind of loose and, and uh, odd. I, if anything, I wouldn't say it's loose, but odd, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to describe it. Just like the, the, the punches didn't feel like it were impacting. I just kind of felt like I was, like I was swinging the air and stuff. It was yeah, just when a you're, bit uh, strange. When you're like starting out, um, like there's a, there's a I, at least from my perspective, I think there's a very good sense of like power crawl in that game. Mm-hmm. Like any anytime you, you get an upgrade or a new ability or whatever, it, it really feels like it does make a difference. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to go back to it. I, I'll, I'll keep it installed um, just in case I get the inspiration to go back. I do want to get it's into a that good series, one. though. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes games take me a couple tries, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Particularly the old ones. I'm not a tradi- I'm not traditionally a person who plays older games like that. Yeah. So. Hey, future Matt here, just editing the episode, and I just want to interrupt before we get into this first story. This first story is about Microsoft's Xbox Live Gold price changes. And right after we recorded this, Microsoft actually took that change back. So I'm going to put a link to what Microsoft said uh, in the show notes if you care to uh, read that. However, I'll just read the last paragraph of the updated article here. If you're an Xbox Live Gold member already, you stay at your current price for renewal. New and existing members can continue to enjoy Xbox Live Gold for the same prices that they pay today. In the U.S., $9.99 for one month, $24.99 for three months, $39.99 for six months, and $59.99 for retail 12 months. Um, so just... Just a little uh, heads up that this this has been a change, but uh, the conversation we had around this topic, of course, uh, was good. So enjoy the rest of the episode. All right, let's hop into the stories for this week. Uh, first up is Microsoft is increasing the price of Xbox Live Gold. This comes from IGN. Uh, according to Microsoft, this is taking place in order to reevaluate. Or sorry, excuse me. 
to evaluate the current value and pricing of the services provided. As a result, uh, Live Gold is going to jump in price. However, if you're an existing Live Gold six-month or 12-month member, the price will continue to renew at the old price of $9.99 per month or $24.99 for three months. Uh, for those who don't fall in this bracket, a one-month membership will now cost $10.99, three months is $29.99, and six months is $59.99. Now, these are American prices. Just keep that in mind. Uh, this means that the price of a one-month membership has increased by $1, while the price of the three months is now $5. Increased by $5. Now, Matt, I think you're... Tim, you don't have gold, right? Because you don't you don't have an Xbox, right? Uh, no, I have Game Pass. Don't have gold. Uh, Matt, I believe you have Game Pass Ultimate? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that actually affects that price. I don't think it does. Um... I was going to say that this sounds like a sales tactic to push people toward Game Pass slash Game Pass Ultimate. That's a lot of what I'm seeing is that it's trying to get people away from just having a gold subscription. Because I wouldn't be surprised if they actually retire. So you have Game Pass and then you got Game Pass Ultimate and then there's also Game Pass PC. Right. Now. I I can see them having Game Pass become like you can only play on one and then you then ultimate is you can play on everything you get Xbox live. And what I mean by that is, is like they might to me be consolidating the brand where they have game pass and the game pass PC. I think like they'll probably just call one game pass, call the next one game pass ultimate. And then you just get to choose which one you are. So like effectively it's the same, but the branding is going to change. And then with right. branding changes with branding changes, you're going to see price changes usually. Because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a bad example probably for this because when Microsoft releases a subscription, I more or less buy it. Like, my entire business runs off of Microsoft, too. Right. Um, I have Microsoft 365, Microsoft 365 for business, all that stuff. I use Teams. Um, I use OneDrive. I use OneDrive for business. I use uh, Office, all that, all that stuff. Office Online as well, even as limited or whatever as some people say it is i still use it like i use everything microsoft um fully into the microsoft ecosystem clearly all my computers are windows for the most part i think i have like an old chromebook for work somewhere but that like that's sort of where i stand um so to me like this is something that just doesn't matter to me you right. know not to like talk down to somebody who like doesn't want to pay this extra price but like to me it's just doesn't matter to me because like i'm just gonna if they told me that my xbox live uh, or my xbox game pass ultimate was going up by five dollars a month i would just say okay that wouldn't change um just because i have so much like stuff with them but it's also this, oh go ahead hmm? well i was just gonna say but i can see i can see how people feel cheated with xbox live gold being probably the less the the least excuse me fully featured thing they offer being priced at such a steep price well yeah that's the funny part right is that i I think people would be perfectly fine if game pass went up because it's such a good deal already you know yeah Um, but but here it's just like oh you're just paying to play online well you get you get the the games too like that is that is a big piece like you do get like i have hundreds of games that i've just claimed right and and it's to the point where 
I've probably purchased games because I wanted to play them and not realizing I had them on Xbox Live for gold or, or whatever you call them, like the free Xbox Live Gold games. Now, this oh, man, does come after they also got rid of uh, the 12-month membership. Remember that? I do, yeah. Um, I don't know if that came with a price increase. But so, uh, well, it kind of did because a, a six-month uh, subscription is now fifty nine ninety nine. So if you're going for the full year, it's now $120, right? Whereas like PlayStation Plus, I think it's like, what is it, 60 American? 60 or 70 American? Like $120 a year does sound like a lot. Now, it is cheaper than World of Warcraft. You are getting free games. You're getting access, I suppose, mm-hmm. at this point on three-ish consoles. Um, and and potentially three actual consoles because uh, you can play Xbox games. So you play like Xbox Series XS games, Xbox One games, and Xbox 360 games, and Xbox original games. Now, I would assume the original servers are all gone. I don't know for sure. But the 360 games, I think, still have some servers there. So maybe like it's because you're getting so much because you are getting a 360 game, I believe, still per month. Like you are getting you are getting three games compared to PlayStation Plus, though, where you also get three games um, if you have a PS5. um, You know, it's only $70 a month or a year. Well, this this actually and like this might seem unrelated, but. This might actually be speaking toward consolidation or streamlining, um, which sometimes does come with with uh, price increases. And I'll explain that. So, for example, um, it can be argued that something let's take it like still in tech, but unrelated, like the Galaxy S21 Ultra, right, mm-hmm. got rid of the micro SD card slot. Um, I believe that's what the thing's called. It, whatever the, the S I think it is S21 Ultra, right? They covered the expansion, yeah. Right. Okay. No, I just couldn't remember if that was the name of the phone or whether I missed or whether it was actually Galaxy the S twenty one Ultra. S twenty one Ultra. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> too many damn phones. Too many damn numbers. Um, I think it's going by year now. I think that's why they jumped to twenty, right? I don't know. That's, <laughs> okay. That, yeah. That, that's why I asked. So anyway, so the S twenty one Ultra, they got rid of the, the the expansion, the expansion, the SD expansion, and like people might or micro SD whatever, and people might be like freaking out about that. But it's 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 a part of it becoming consolidated because on my phone's generation, Note ten plus they started advertising it like you can have laptop level storage you can get like a terabyte or more my base model was 256 gig or more i think it was 256 or 512 or something um something like that but like that's a fucking lot of storage coming from i went from the s8 plus which was 32 gigabyte in this particular case bringing it back to gaming it, this might be in the, in the name of consolidating as well where yes you have these people that are playing xbox games but they're trying to force you onto xbox game pass even if you're not a pc person right so if you want ultimate in particular right but then they're trying to get you into ultimate because then then you're then you might be like hey i have a pc i can play some of these things because even the most basic of like office computers can play some indie titles some like smaller titles side scrollers what have you or it might even push you to buy to go into gaming. So I think they're trying to consolidate. It's it's this it's sort of the sim, a similar situation with Microsoft itself when they went from Office 365 to Microsoft 365, which makes a lot of sense because Microsoft 365 slash Office 365 was offering much more than just Office, and the brand was messing with it because it was like, hey, like I just want Word, and the people were like we have to buy Office 365 or 
and there's other perpetual licenses, whatever. But in general, it's like buy Office 365. But then some people will be like, well, I want OneDrive storage. And then it's like, oh, buy Office. And then they're like, well, I don't want Word. You know what I mean? Because because yeah. the, the consolidation was there, but the branding wasn't quite there. So that's why I think they're gonna they're gonna kill they're gonna they're gonna try they're they're gonna try to kill Xbox Live Gold, and they may just give us a more streamlined package of Xbox Game Pass, and then you choose which Game Pass it is underneath it. But it's under the helm of Game Pass, and the Game Pass Ultimate is play online and play all games everywhere consolidated. That's it. Yeah, I think that's the case too. Now, whether they actually get rid of gold or not, or maybe they're just trying to make Game Pass Ultimate look more appetizing, you know, by making gold look less appetizing. Um, I don't know, but there's definitely a strategy there. I don't think they're just doing this uh, right. Well, this sucks too because, like, I will say that, like, as a person that grew up playing the 360 more so, because that was when we started playing online, and like as a kid, like I would save up and then buy. Because I don't know, I think we were 12 when the thing came out. So I would like save up and buy the, the Xbox Live Gold card. So, you know, and I wouldn't as a kid even be interested in Game Pass because. I would be interested. In, I would be interested in Game Pass, but I wouldn't be because I would be like, oh, I have to pay for that per month. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep that up, which is why I would buy the one year card or ask for it for Christmas or what have you as a kid. Now. I realize that like the situation's different now where a lot of parents will even load a credit card onto a kid's smartphone or tablet. So maybe our whatever money spending back then was antiquated is, is being antiquated, but still. Um yeah, and if my parents had done that back when I like was playing 360 and stuff and DLC started to become a thing and I just started buying things for games that was using their credit card, man, I would have been in so much trouble. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never, I mean, like, whether it's our upbringing or our generation or I don't know, whatever, but, like, it's just, it's interesting to see, it's interesting to see, like, kids be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy, like, gems for this. And I and I always thought to myself, like, even back, because, like, gems and microtransactions were coming up when we were coming up and, like, growing up. Uh, and, like, it, like, to me, that was so foreign of a topic. It was always, to me, it was always, like, buy Xbox Live Gold, then buy Xbox Game. And then play Xbox game, mm-hmm. you know, because it was like yeah. you bu- it's like the one off effectively one off purchases or one off for a long time one purchases. Yeah, like I uh, 100% agree. Like the idea of DLC when it first started to come out, like horse armor and the magic books and stuff like that in Oblivion. I was like, why? Why would I why would I buy this? I bought the game. I, it should be complete when I buy it kind of thing you know mm-hmm. which like is just not a concept that will even land anymore because people have proven that they will just buy like they'll buy a game and they will continue to pay for it and pay for it and pay for it and pay for it and and i i would love to see because like we're talking about like some kids that have ipads that like their parents have their whatever on there uh like on their the payment Google information store, on there. yeah or the but i actually want to know how many like what's the norm now so like if like our generation, because our generation would be the one generally that would be having kids. So like if our generation has kids, you take a sample of those and like they the kid has an Xbox, Xbox one or Xbox, whatever, or something that can take advantage of X of Game Pass. Do the parents just buy Game Pass? I mean, financially, that probably makes sense. 
If they um, understand like the concept of Game Pass, yeah, probably. Like that financially makes sense because it's like the App Store, unlimited games. They change all the time. Kid who keeps playing them. All his friends have Game Pass probably as two. Right. Now they can all play together. There's no BS. Sure. But like. I, w- I don't know whether the like the the. I don't know whether it's fear or what it is of recurring payments would scare parents of our age off like it did parents of our of like our parents age yeah it's something i don't know i think it's just that the industry standard has has like changed and people who were making those purchases like our parents for example that aren't you know involved in the industry don't really understand it like it's an outside perspective um whereas like i think now you know, parents are more kind of plugged into the to the infrastructure. And they, yes, they're more yeah. like educated. It's not like kids trying to, you know, convince their parents of whatever when they're the ones that understand it, but their parents don't kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but. Well, you're, you're right on one way because like and in, in like Ryan can comment on this, too, because Adriano was not here a bit. But like Adriano was told us a few times that. Um, his, like one of his family members, um, you know, not giving away names, but one of his family members, um, they have, have like a kid in the kid, kid games and the kid like doesn't have his own account on everything. The kid doesn't have his own email. The kid doesn't have whatever they're like, sometimes it's the parents email. Sometimes it's some random email that the parents made up, whatever. Whereas I think parents of like our age would be like, no, no, no. Like you need a persona online because it's going to carry with you for life. And Adriano's tried to convince them of that and said, you know, sure, put parental controls on there and have access to his account. Don't let him email stuff, whatever. Fine. Totally. Right. Depending on age, that's fine. But he needs that persona because moving forward, his assets are are acquired, are acquired and are accruing digitally. Because, like, mm. you know, like, instead of him having to repurchase Minecraft or something in the future, he can have the original Minecraft license from when he was 12 when he grows up to whatever age. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just making up ages. But, like, yeah, sure. Like, that just makes sense. Like, I'm still using the yeah. original Minecraft license that I bought in the beginning of college because I know yeah. the account information. I, um, I, I used to use my sister's iTunes account for all my iTunes purchases. And that was, like, songs and movies and TV shows and stuff. And uh, like my whole family kind of just used it because I don't know why. It's just kind of what happened. Mm-hmm. And it, when I finally got, uh, I think it was like near the, the end of high school, I started my own account and stuff. And I had to, I had to rebuy a ton of stuff. Yeah. And that, that's what you should be trying to avoid, right? Like in your case, right. in your case, in our case, we saw the rise of that stuff. So that was inevitable. But now it's yeah. like, let's not repeat those mistakes, you know? Yeah. Alrighty, uh, let's move on here to our next story. Uh, Apple's first headset, to, um, particularly a VR headset, to be a niche precursor and then to eventually be an AR, some sort of glasses type, uh, type of deal. This comes from Bloomberg. Um, as a mostly virtual reality device, uh, it will display an all-encompassing 3D digital environment for gaming, watching video, and communicating. AR functionality, the ability to overlay images and information over a view of the real world will be more limited. Apple has planned to launch the product as soon as 2022, going up against Facebook's uh, Oculus, Sony's PlayStation VR, and uh, headsets from HTC. Um, 
Apple isn't looking to create an iPhone-like hit for its first headset. Instead, the company is building a high-end niche product that will prepare outside developers and consumers for its eventual more mainstream AR glasses. Um, Matt, do you remember the Google glasses? Yep. They they went nowhere, right? I think those were <laughs> th- those were clearly like prototype oh, slash man. consumer. You know but what I mean? They like, sold them. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, they sold it, but it was it was like the first um, uh, Samsung watch or the first the, the first Galaxy Fold. The first Galaxy Fold's a better example, more recent example. That was clearly like almost an almost an engineering prototype. That first one's kind of gross. <laughs> I haven't actually used it, but just looking at the reviews and stuff, it it looked pretty. Uh, it did but, look like a prototype. Version. But now it's now it's viable. Like I now wouldn't. Like I, phone, I could yeah. buy a folding phone as my next phone. They're now viable. You know. Uh, the plan suggests that Apple's first headset will be far more expensive than those from its rivals, which would cost which cost around three hundred to nine hundred dollars. Some Apple insiders believe the company may sell only one headset per day per retail store. I don't know how you calculate that kind of stuff, but <laughs> even this even this seems high to me. Apple has roughly five hundred stores, so in that scenario, annual sales would be just over one hundred eighty thousand units. If this is supposed to be some super expensive thing, that's I feel like that's a lot of units. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not for Apple though. It's all relative, right? Yeah. Um, what's your guys' experience with with uh, VR? Love uh, it. it makes me sick. Oh, you yo, that's that's uh, that's unfortunate. Jesus. Yeah, I get motion sick. Oh fuck! I, I didn't realize it would affect that too. But wh- how do you? Where are you guys feeling where the future of VR is? If you can't use it, I guess. I mean. I the so the thing for me right and the reason that um I think a lot of people de- like have to deal with um uh motion sickness is because it, it's something in your brain that's anticipating movement one way and it's either it goes another way or it um it uh it it's just slightly desynced kind of thing right so yeah. in my case I think the thing with VR is the the desync is what makes me nauseous um which is probably the good news there is that as technology advances, you know, the latency for these things is going to get lower and lower. There's still hope that potentially, um, you know, I might be able to play things in VR someday because the latency will be so low that there won't be that disconnect for me anymore and it'll be more comfortable to play. It's not a frame rate issue with you then? It's Because like, uh, I, I remember in the early days of VR, they, they, they were trying to get the frame rate up because that was causing most of people's problems. Mm. I don't think it's a frame rate issue. Because um, like the, the worst offender for me was um, was Skyrim when I tried to play it. I can play things that you're not like the your uh, environment isn't moving like um, mm-hmm. like keep talking and nobody explodes. Um, <laughs> but in the it, for the ones that are like you know riding on roller coasters or going along like a rail shooter or um you know even things like beat saber um i can play them for like 45 minutes but then i have to take a break because it's like it 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 starts to toe that line of being too much that's what do you think it would take uh oh go ahead matt i was gonna say that's unfortunate because like uh, what type of headset i don't know if you said that what type of headset did you try uh psvr mostly okay because i know for sure that i don't have i used to get motion sickness as a kid i don't anymore but i do have like if things are like really and this isn't like a medical thing this is just in general but if things are like really 
laggy on a screen, I I can like or like really weird in refresh rate, I get sick. Like I actually threw up during a 360 game. Um, oh my god! Yeah, uh, it was bad. Like, um, and I tried when Oculus was in a dev engineering form. I went to like this conference during college, and I tried the Oculus Dev One, and I could feel my eyes and like a part of my head hurting. It wasn't like a traditional headache. It was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I felt weird. Um, but when I tried the Vive with the whole room set up, I didn't have any problems. And I was trying it with a bunch of people and they they got sick quick. And I, I was in it almost all day, all afternoon. Ugh. I was just fine. Like, it didn't bother me. I only started like my eyes started getting kind of tired. That was it. So I was just wondering whether whether like you had tried one that was like. 30 fps although i don't know what psvr is uh that's a good question i, I can't know. imagine it's uh very high though well it could be like 720p 60 but that might be too little i don't know much about vr obviously but mm-hmm. i think it yeah i don't know that the resolution is super high I, it's not something i've really looked into because obviously I, I don't have much of a vested interest in it right now psvr just on the quick google search here uh resolution is 1920 by 1080 okay okay display size is 5.7 inches I don't see refresh rate here. Uh, this is actually on Sony's um, Sony's website. So maybe it's... Hmm. Oh, oh wait. Here we go. Uh, 120 and 90. Hmm. Yeah, so like I was going to say, because for things like Beat Saber, like, the frame rate is definitely at least 60. Maybe it has to be. Like, mm-hmm. you said, sorry, you said 120 refresh or 90, so probably variable refresh. I'm guessing, and then... Well, they just list the two, so I wonder if it's just, depending, like, the game can output at 90 or 120. Right, okay. So maybe it has to be above 60 for you to... for you to feel normal. Because your eyes render in God knows what it is, but... (laughs) Has anyone ever done that? Have we done a, like, research into, like, what resolution the human eye Uh, sees in? I don't know why that creeps me out, but uh, it does... It's difficult to calculate because our our vision is not a not a rectangle. Yeah, right. It's more yeah. of a big oval kind of what shape. What pixels um, do we see? <laughs> yeah. How many pixels? I mean, you could kind of just say like, oh, if it's uh, if you take a look at your phone, get the pixel density of your phone, hold it at a point where you can't see pixels, which is pretty much anywhere now with with modern phones. Yeah. <laughs> and then multiply the amount of phones in your vision that you could fit. <laughs> oh, there you go. And then just do the math. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm interested in VR. I've never actually tried it. I've I've tried the goofy phone VR things, but those mm, are definitely not yep. any good quality. Um, I would definitely like to get into it. Uh, for, for specifically for gaming, sick though. Yeah. Interesting. Why? What's wrong with that? No, I was just wondering whether you'd be more interested in because Apple's going into AR as as per the story. I was just wondering like what. Well, this is a VR headset with AR elements. It sounds like. The AR is like kind of taking a backseat with this one, which is kind of odd, I guess. I'm not I'm, if it's going to be more than a thousand dollars, I probably won't get this. I try to justify like it's, it's that price be, for a novelty. Yeah, yeah. And what's weird about that uh, is like usually you want it to get into as many hands as possible, so devs have a reason to to develop for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't know. I don't. All these companies seem to think that that VR and AR are are massive, but I don't know if if they are if they are. I think um, I'm not I think they're doctor, here to stay, but they're I don't know if they're going to stay forever. 
Well, like, would would you would you think that this might be a new these these type of technologies are going to be used in medical in the medical field? I mean, they said the same thing about the connect and then that went away. Um, the tech is still there, though. Maybe for training purposes, but I don't I don't see how you. I don't know. I think it's I think, I think it's more so trying to trying to make tech interface with us in a way that is not intrusive or not not without us doing something that is more natural Mm -hmm. like being in a room without anything connected to us is what the connect was there for it was supposed to read our inputs via our gestures and then do stuff right whereas like vr ar that could end up being like the cure for blindness if they figure out how to get that plugged into your brain then you might be seeing AR, but you could be realistically seeing through what like a camera that's strapped to your face. Right. Like that. I think that. And then there'll be novelty things, too, like us having like AR glasses instead of like full desk setups and stuff like that with like virtual AR or whatever the or mixed reality that Windows has or Microsoft has. Um, I, just don't, I just don't see the uh, there's like half like Al- Half-Life Alex is like Beat Saber and like a mm-hmm. handful of other titles, but. Is that enough to warrant, you know, getting like really investing in this kind of stuff? I think you're investing in something that is that it, that may and God knows whether it will make it. It may become the new PC. Like, think about think about like the the idea of the personal computer is has, you know, been virtually the same until like smartphones came out. But PCs right. are still around. Like I'm using a big tower right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like the idea of a PC is is hasn't changed much. Different form factors, laptops, whatever you want to say, fine. Then it went into our computer, or then then it went into our pocket. Sorry, with like PDAs and stuff like that. And then finally, in its sort of quote unquote almost final or very advanced form, smartphones. Now it's about getting the getting the bandwidth of you picking up a smartphone and using it to be less and more natural so for it to show up in your eyes. So the same thing could be said about gaming where gaming has been the same. You have a controller, whether it's a digital controller on glass or a real controller, it's exactly the same concept. There's buttons mm-hmm. or fake buttons or digital buttons, whatever you want to call them. And then you interact with them if you're if you were interested in VR, like it's almost philosophical in a way, AR, whatever. But that is kind of where tech is going, like going to like getting rid of billboards where you glue those massive posters on them and they just become AR. That's like the beginning. You, you see that I, happening? Uh, well, Hamilton has two huge screen ones. Um I think the screens it's, make sense, but but you would need everyone to have AR glasses on. Yeah, but everyone have that be yeah, viable. Currently, currently everyone has a smartphone almost, and currently yeah, but, that's expected for most jobs. It's expected for a lot of. Uh, I've been trying to like sign up a family member for a few services, and they need a mobile phone number, and then they text. They're like, "We texted you," and I used a home phone number because they don't have a cell phone. Like smart, like the smartphone is like being so injected as like a tool that we all have that like this could be the next thing. So then that, that would naturally take over games, but not in 10 years, like maybe, maybe yeah, a, an, an hour I, old age. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to predict the future. I just don't I don't see it happening to any great degree. It's 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 a massive saving of resources. I'm looking at a monitor that's made of plastic metal and everything else, but I could be not looking at that and I could just have my eyes render a monitor in front of me. Seems a little too sci fi to me, but that is probably where we're going to go. Yeah, like, like, I don't know, the more the more that we, like, advance further through time, the more that technology from Star Trek seems to become a real thing. Yeah. Like, like the, the whole tablets and everything, like, nobody thought that the, you know, technology of tablets was going to become a real thing, and now it's, it's almost like a everyday thing. Yeah, we don't, like, no one has movie collections anymore, we just stream them, like... You know, no, and, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I just doubt it. Like, would you are you all about like, I mean, are you like I'm all about getting chips and stuff in me? I'm all about it. Uh, I'd have no problem with it. Like, I, I don't think I'd be the first possibly to be due, due to being a coward. But like, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like I if I if I like if my eyes started to fail at an older age, like if I started having eyesight problems and I was given the options glasses or um, uh, we can put, like, Samsung eyes in you. I'd probably be like, fuck yeah, do it. Put the Samsung eyes in me. Yeah, I would too. Like, I, I'm all about that stuff. And I think that that's, like, because then you could just be, you could just be, like, like right now we've got the bandwidth of playing a game down from, and, like, consoles are still there, just like the PC. Consoles are still there. But we got the streaming now. Then we got the streaming to the phone as well. So now, like, the bandwidth is getting less and less and less and less and less. Now, if you can just appear in your face, on your face, and you can just play a game on a virtual TV in front of your face without you doing anything, right? Like, yeah. that's probably where it's going. It's everything's about getting it down to, like, be more efficient. Right now, VR is just for fun. Like, you're saying Beat Saber is fun, but what's the point? The point is they're, they're fucking with the tech. No, I understand that, but I'm just saying, like, it's... It, there's only a handful of games I can name that are kind of successful in the in the VR space, and it's not like major studios and publishers are pumping out VR games every month. Mm-hmm. This is not happening, and it's it does, just like it does still feel when, gimmicky. When does that happen? And I'm not sure when that will occur. As far as I can tell, the Oculus is a is a pretty good headset, you know, but it's still not enough to make these big developers switch over to it for whatever reason. Yeah, nobody wants to like the 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 proof of concept hasn't been proven yet, right? Nobody's made gangbusters in money off of VR yet, so no one's willing to make that investment. Even PlayStation, who has a dedicated piece of hardware for VR, it's it's not fully invested in it. Yeah, and yeah, it's I not mean, not like, a focus. That's for sure. Apple has shifted industries, but if this thing's going to be super expensive and niche. <laughs> you know that ain't gonna help although if you if it is super expensive and niche then it gets into the hands of you know the people who can afford it and who are interested in that niche and then if it turns out to be good enough then maybe they will those people those upper class people will reinvest into it but wouldn't they already be doing that on the on the current vr headsets not if it's not good enough because you know it's it's still kind of consumer grade technology, right? You know, you know, Tim makes a good point. Is like it's gonna get it's gonna get into the hands of a niche, but you know what? It's gonna get into the hands of is it's gonna get into the hands of the influencer. 
products like oftentimes sell us something like a car commercial is never about like, look at the engine. A car commercial is like those who dare buy a Cadillac or whatever the fuck. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And then they like show people doing daring things or whatever. I'm making it up. But like um, with something like this. Like, they're saying this is, like, a VR headset, but, like, you can see the real world. Like, the ability to overlay images, whatever. Like, I could I could see as, if you're a person who lives in the city and you have, like, a really small apartment and you don't have the ability to, like, have a big home theater, but you really like movies, this might be the thing. You don't buy a TV. You don't buy any of that. You connect your iPhone to it or however this will work, and you have a full home theater in VR, AR on your head you just put a put a helmet on but like what i'm saying though like can't they do that now it, it, like wouldn't they be doing that now there's no focus on it you need you need somebody to push it and apple might be the one because apple mm-hmm. has so much money it doesn't matter to them well it will be exciting to see what they can do um i don't i don't think i have it in this thing but they were talking about some of the the prototypes they're working on that has like a fan on it um they actually reduced the distance between the display and the eyes because it was just too big. And so now people with glasses can't wear it and they have like a prescription lens you can put in there. Mm. Sounding pretty crazy. And uh, the the other interesting thing is the, the chip they're going to put on it is apparently going to be better than their uh, M1 processors, which are currently on their new MacBooks and uh, MacBook Pros. They would need to. Like this is... Yeah. Because you're gonna have to detect every time I like tilt my head, is the whole world sa- gonna start spinning? Like <laughs> this sounds like it's self-contained. Because I think in in the article they talked about how they like were trying to stream it from another source, mm-hmm. but just found it was better to have it all on the unit itself. You know, well, what? I guess we'll have to wait and see. 2022 is the predicted predicted uh, date here. You know, this might be like this is super exciting. Like I'm not one to get excited over Apple products, so this is actually really exciting. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we want to move on, or do we want to just kind of chit chat until Tim gets back? Um, well, I actually have a question for you, Ryan. Sure. If, if not not the Google Glass, but something similar, so like an actual full AR glasses solution, where I don't know, I don't care, not not I don't care about semantics, whether they're sunglasses or regular glasses, where they're just glass, because you don't you don't wear prescription glasses, is what I mean. Right. Um, would you? Use that over your phone if it was good. Uh, it's still hard to imagine, right? Because like the phone is 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 still, even though it's a touchscreen, it's still tactile in some way, right? How do I access menus with with a with a pair of glasses on? How do I how do I text someone? I don't always want to use my voice. Like right, like I could use my voice to send um, messages using Siri or whatever. I just don't because I just find it easier to text mm-hmm. with my fingers. With your brain waves. <laughs> I mean, yes. maybe with with yeah. uh, with Elon Musk's implant. Yeah, it's um, an Elon Musk. <laughs> That's really good, actually. I really like that. It's hard to <laughs> imagine, um, and and then make a decision. Um, you know, I I would say that this is like I think I mean speaking of Elon, actually, Elon said that like we're already cyborgs because our phone is like a piece of us, but the bandwidth is bad because we have to pick it up, use our eyes and then tap with our fingers. Uh, I yes. think like AR glasses and stuff like that. And eventually if it does plug into your brain in some capacity is the, is the future. It lowers the bandwidth. And then eventually we'll start replacing our actual body parts. You know, it is funny. I remember this was a, this was a line from, uh, I think it was Mass Effect 3 
where there's like a whole species of just robots, right? Mm-hmm. And and they talk about how um, human language is such a slow method of communication. I have to speak the entire sentence or or paragraph or whatever I'm saying to transmit that information to you. But if you were if we were two computers, the idea and concept could be transferred instantly, and you would immediately understand. Yeah. So oh, yeah. human com- human communication is even slow in today's world. You know. Fascinating. Yeah. Honestly. So if you combine that with having to type out your text before sending it, it's even more, right? And like, it, it comes down to that thought thing where it's like, we're in the middle of a show. So if like, if I'm like, hey, how is my like, I don't know, how is, uh, who's not here? How is Adriano doing? So I like, you know, if I want to figure out how Adriano's doing, I have to like pick up the phone, unlock it, go to the texting app, text him. How are you doing? Press enter. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. But we're in the middle of a show here. So like, you know, that's distracting, whatever. But if I could just quickly send that off with my brain without picking anything up, that's a yeah. huge jump in bandwidth. Well, it could be exciting times for the future. I hope we'll I hope we'll be able to see it. It does sound like it's pretty crazy. Um, most predictions are tend to be too short. They're like, this will happen in the next twenty years, and then it will take like seventy. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's fair. In the year two thousand, uh, we'll have flying cars. Yeah. Although they had flying cars at CES this year. Yeah, they did. And I do submit to you that we technically already have flying cars. We just don't envision them that way. They're called airplanes. Yeah. No, helicopters. Helicopters, too, yeah. Helicopters literally do what a flying car would do. It's just that we all don't have... helicopter song. Yeah. We just all don't have our own personal ones. That's the only difference. I mean, speak for yourself. No, you got got a whole fleet, eh? (laughs) Yeah. Whole fleet. (laughs) Um, Put that on my uh, my Twitter fleets. Fuck. All right, let's move on to our next story here. Blizzard is absorbing uh, an Activision studio after dismantling their classic games team. This comes from Bloomberg. So the studio is known as Vicarious Vision uh, Visions. They've been a subsidiary of Activision since 2005 and worked on the franchises like Skylanders, Crash Bandicoot, and Tony Hawk. It will now focus entirely on Blizzard's franchises, including Diablo, instead of making its own games. Um, I find that kind of odd. You know, they had the studio kind of doing its own thing, and now they're just going to say, oh, work on our other games. Uh, they might be getting, uh, they might be seeing their deadlines slip. They need the For new titles or, or the, oh, you mean the, the, the Blizzard titles? But yeah, they might be seeing like internal deadlines slip on things like Overwatch and stuff, and they might like Overwatch 2, and they might be like, okay, we need we need more devs. Um, so in, in recent years, Activision publishing arm has taken a stronger hand in Blizzard's operations. Vicarious Visions, based in Albany, New York, has been working with Blizzard since last year on the Diablo franchise, including a planned remake of Diablo 2. So there's that remake we were talking about. Wouldn't that be great? Just jump right back into it? I mean, I'd probably buy it. I know you guys, I think Adrian said he's not going to. Um... I, I might, to be honest, like, if it's going to be like three, mm-hmm. um... I, even though we just like finished playing through it, I don't feel like, like it was kind of a rushed playthrough, you know, like we it just did like it that, as yeah. fast as we could pretty much. Like if I could slow down and if I could like talk to every, every NPC, I'd get a more, more of a feel for the story, that sort of thing. I would probably right. do it. Yeah, it was definitely like we were looking up instead of us exploring and being like, what's this portal lead to? We were definitely like, is this the right portal? Is this the right door? No, it isn't. Moving on. Yeah. What's the path to uh, to this like place that we need to go? Yeah. Yeah. 
It was more of a direct route for sure. And for me, it didn't matter because I played the damn game so much. But like for you guys or whoever hasn't played it, like I could see. So the, the guy, the guy who wrote this Bloomberg article, his name is Jason Stryer. Uh, he also tweeted some more information too, saying that uh, he says Blizzard said it was absorbing vicarious visions. What it didn't say was that uh, vicarious visions. That's a horrible name. I can't. Vicarious <laughs> I can't visions. Yeah. VV is what he calls it. Has been working on a Diablo two remake, and he said Team One, Blizzard's classic team, was quietly dismantled last fall. Blizzard's Team One was responsible for StarCraft two. Heroes of the Storm, StarCraft Remastered, and WarCraft 3 Reforged. Ugh. Which was the product of unrealistic <laughs> deadlines created by financial pressures. This next project was going to be a Diablo 2 remake. Uh, last year, Blizzard pulled the D2 remake from Team 1 and gave it to Team 3, the Diablo 4 team, which is now overseeing and working with Vicarious Visions on the project. Wait, does that delay D4 then? That's a good question. Or no, because they're they're being melded in, so I think they're still technically working on it. But then aren't they just like D fourteen point five? I guess so. Yeah. I just thought it was funny here because we we kind of uh, tease Adriano about uh, Heroes of the Storm, and it says that Team One, who was quietly dismantled, <laughs> they were working on Heroes of the Storm. So I don't know where that leaves Heroes of the Storm going forward. Uh, this is just for Adriano too. It's a dead game, Adriano. Sorry, bud. <laughs> that's not that's not my public opinion. That's just my opinion for Adriano. <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't take joy in seeing a game he likes <laughs> go down. Uh, We're gonna get a no, message I, on the I, Discord, like uh, like you know, a couple days from now, he's gonna be like, you know, fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess I guess Blizzard's kind of had a rocky couple of years here. Um, we'll see what happens. Could be due to COVID too. That's true. Organizations Definitely. and stuff just be like Jesus. We got to consolidate this. I mean, my uh, my work has. Uh, um, while we don't necessarily need to all be in the same room working on things, we've had our own challenges. So I can't imagine what it's like when you need that you know in person collaboration. Um, it's it's probably pretty rough. I I can't imagine working on something that's super creative, where it's not like it's one person coming up with everything, and then the other people are just doing the technical stuff. So like the creative gives the technical people instructions, and then the technical people just go do it. Like gaming seems to be a lot more like the devs also have to be involved in the creative and stuff. And like honestly, that would be a f- like I'm all about remote work and everything, but like holy fuck, that mu- that's probably horrible. Right. Yeah. Like I I made this whiteboard. What's the password? I can't log in with the password. It's a call <laughs> IT. Like fuck. Oh god. Like oh, Jesus. Like there's also just communication disasters when people are like writing through email or or chat services. There's just something lost in the communication, and you have to kind of over-explain yourself. I find. Yes. I find that there's a lot more like, hey, just following up because it's like that person doesn't know if you got it and like you don't know if you got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happens too, yeah. All right, our final story for the week. Uh, Sony's new San Diego team is working on existing franchises. This comes from IGN. Michael Mumbauer worked at PlayStation Studios, uh, worked at PlayStation as studio head until November 2020. Uh, in the segment on his profile detailing his work with the new San Diego team, 
uh, Mumbauer writes, his latest achievement is having built a brand new all-star AAA action adventure de the development team for PlayStation based in San Diego and utilizing proprietary engine technology. This team was assembled to expand upon existing franchises and craft all new stories for the next generation of gamers. So I think what everyone immediately jumps to is uh, an Uncharted game. Oh, I, I was going to yell Resistance. <laughs> Matt, you're 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 holding on to that resistance. So. Literally, like one of three people on the planet that's like resistance. Uh, I'm with no. Matt. I I want a resistance. I'm just real about the situation. No, that they keep tweeting one. and like Instagramming uh, pictures of it. They Sony, do that for all their games. So hang on a minute. Sony bought Insomniac. Now Sony can take that IP. I they assume and give Insomniac it to whoever they want. Spider Man, not because of resistance. You know, yeah, no, they bought them due to Spider-Man, but Sony needs a Halo-like game. Uh, Like a shooter, you mean? Yeah, like a shooter, sci-fi, just like, you know, aliens are here. And then, like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, that that's what Resistance is. Aliens are here. Time to <laughs> kick some ass. Here they come. You know, like, that's that's Resistance. <laughs> Sounds more like Gears of War than anything. Whichever. Like, like, that genre to me is, like, sort of melded. Like, PlayStation, Sony, whatever, needs one of them. I'm convinced that a part of the purchase was due to Resistance. I agree that they need it. I just don't think Resistance is going to be it. Think about how easy it will be to make a Resistance game in comparison to these massive epics that Sony's usually makes. And when they see the fucking money come in from that multiplayer mi multiplayer microtransactions, they they know. They know the Battle Royales and stuff make money. Their games don't have microtransactions. Not. They, they also don't have like a Halo-like game. This isn't going to be an uh. epic, an epic like at length resistance. Like give me, give me a resistance campaign and then let me play online and microtransaction to death. I don't care. And that's fine. This just sounds like a way for their teams to their 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 like major league teams to move on to new ideas, but still keep those franchises alive and making money. Right. Like resistance, resistance is long gone and dead. Uh, Yeah, but you could also say the same for like Final Fantasy seven. Right. I mean, not if they keep remastering it <laughs> at this point. Sure. But like, <laughs> but like, I, I, I firmly like I actually believe it. Like, it's not actually like false hope. Like, I actually think it makes sense for them within the next five years to release or announce another resistance. You know what? I would even take a, a remake of the first resistance. Correct. I will take that a remake awesome. of all three. Like, like, give us a, a, a like a Mass Effect, whatever that reworked package is, the remake, whatever it is. Um, I think that's more of a, just a high-end remaster, though. I, I want a remake of Resistance 1. But, but like, g showing us just even just a remaster where they up the textures and, like, makes it work with the DualSense or whatever that they do, uh, use some of the DualSense features, that is going to be awesome. Uh, it does say here that in the featured section of Mumbauer's LinkedIn profile, between videos of a keynote presentation and GDC uh, talk from him is a video from YouTube uh, YouTuber Robin Gaming about Sony secretly creating a studio to make Uncharted 5. The featured section of a LinkedIn profile is filled in by the profile owner themselves. And so this Uncharted 5 theory video has been purposefully placed there by Mumbauer. This is, of course, by no means an official confirmation of the rumor. I think they mean is Resistance detail. 5. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not. Uh, although there have already been five Resistance games. You're counting the, the PSP ones? The PSP and the PS Vita one, yeah. The PS Vita one was really good. There's a Vita one? 
Yeah? What? What? Were you the fireman? That, that was, was my. That was that was Vita. You got damn right. You sure it's not PSP? No, hundred percent. I have a platinum trophy in it, bud. I mean, oh there are nine God. Yakuza wow. games. Doesn't mean that the most recent one is called Yakuza Nine. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> like, therefore, Uncharted Five is actually Resistance, the new one. That is not what I was saying. <laughs> no. <laughs> Naming schemes anyway. honestly are just the most worthless BS garbage in games. I hate it. What is? Naming schemes. Oh yeah. yeah. Everyone wants to like revamp their brand, and then they call it like, oh, this one. Oh, the new Dark Souls is coming out, but it's called Dark Souls. It's like we already got a fucking Dark Souls. And then they do it again with fucking like big things that even have sequels too, like 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 Battlefront, Battlefront yeah, Two, dumb. except it's Battlefront Two Thousand and Eighteen, <laughs> or Ugh. iPad, or yeah. iPad. That they're just all called iPad now. But everything that's not an iPhone is now no longer numbered and just called that going forward. It's just that that's it. You got to buy it during that year, and that's the model. Weird. All right, uh, let's get to the query corner question. Now, me and Matt were kind of uh, debating this uh, before the show, but um, yeah, you were. It was getting heated. I don't know. What you're talking about. Yeah, I had to fight. I had to fight Ryan mm-hmm. off. I had to like drive over there and fight him off, even though we're not allowed to leave our homes. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to start this by saying we don't actually know the numbers of sales between the next gen consoles. Uh, who's doing better or worse? But just kind of taking a uh, uh, taking the temperature of the. Uh, the social media and just general zeitgeist. It feels like the PlayStation Five is, if not selling more, more desirable. And so we kind of just wanted to talk about what what could cause that. I guess. Does that sound right, Matt? Just phrase what you just said again. We're just trying to figure out what would cause the PS Five to be more desirable and potentially have more sales than the Xbox Series X. Oh, yeah, because you were saying that, like, the zeitgeist <clears throat> seems to be buzzing more about PS5 than it is about the Xbox Series. Yeah, I, I've seen I've, I've seen several jokes go across, like, social media about how hard it is to get PS5. SNL did a sketch on on a guy uh, wishing for a PS5 from Santa, and they're, they're kind of joking that they're impossible to find. Um, it just feels like PS5 is, like, the, the default console for most people. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that rides on the fact that the PS4 just decimated the Xbox One last generation. So that's what we kind of want to get into is is what what could potentially sway or what could have Xbox done to to leap over that barrier of oh, I had a PS4, might as well get a PS5. Because mm-hmm. we have seen console uh, loyalty switch particularly with PS3 to Xbox 360, right? And then back again from the uh, the Xbox One to PS4. Well, here here's the thing that I was kind of arguing was my argument was that, yes, there's been changes among each companies, but the companies have not changed themselves at the core. So Microsoft is very sort of corporate, very sort of like they're very corporate. They're very uh, um, I don't know, I, I would call it maybe sales oriented, something like that. And they're like being they're like modern, but they don't feel maybe like super artsy is probably the way to say it. Whereas PlayStation seems to try to like push the bar, you know, make make cool looking things, make things that like hardware wise that are like that are awesome in in whatever way that they think so. 
but because they're being so creative with their stuff, it falls flat. So like the PS2 really wasn't all that creative. Um, and it was just like super utilitarian. But then since that generation, because that was the that was the original Xbox. You got to remember too. I guess was like I guess the bit their intro. The big thing with the PS2 was like the DVD drive, right? Yeah, like that. Um, but yeah, like bigger and, bigger and, and that, better games on that. Well, like, you also have to remember too, like that was their second attempt. Like right. the you know what I mean, like and even the PlayStation, the first one had like a PS1 or whatever. Like there was a slim model, so like Sony knew what they were doing. In this hardware race, whereas there was no slim, you know, Xbox original. That wasn't a thing. Um, and so, like, to me, these companies haven't since that first gen, just because like one was getting started, the other one was like pretty new. I don't think they've changed much. To me, I find Sony to be the creative and Microsoft to be like sort of the 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 brawn, if you will, like the people that like come in and just like figure out like gaming. We need lots of games, lots of devs, lots of money put into this, you know. Uh, make it make it work quick and like make it a, make it competitive. Whereas Sony, like you can see it in the PlayStation 5's design. Sony did not have to have this crazy wavy design with like the weird stand and like all this all this stuff, but they did. Like that's what they decided to do. Microsoft went with use our old controllers. Here's a rectangle. You know, um yeah, I- there's definitely clear reasons why the the PS3 lost that kind of generation. It was obviously a year late compared to the uh, 360. Right. It was way too expensive. Which is a part of that creative thing. <clears throat> it was hard to develop for. Right. You know, and and that and and that all kind of led and and they had Halo. Um, Microsoft had Halo, and that was that was pretty big for them. Right. Um, come the Xbox One generation. And the PS4, obviously, Sony had built up a repertoire of first-party developers with great titles on the PS3. And so going into PS4, they were already looking like the place to, to play your games. And then Xbox had the whole debacle with with their whole console and then focusing on multimedia. Um, always online. The whole yeah, the always online thing. Uh, it was a bit of a PR nightmare, right? Here, it seems like both consoles were generally on par with each other. Yes, the Xbox Series X is technically more powerful, right? Yeah. Um, so does it really just come down to that people like their PS4 and they just went with the PS5? I would argue that it has to do a lot with the games as well, though. Well, I my argument against that was I, I agree that there's going to be a subset of people that love Sony games. Um, and I, I am one of them to an extent, like I do play a fair bit of the Sony titles and I do enjoy them. Um, God of War is one of them, of course, goes to Tsushima and the list goes on. But the thing is, is what my argument overall was that the, like what makes a console win is which one becomes the default. So the 360 became the default because it was, because it came out early. Sure. Halo played a factor. Um, but it was easier to develop for sure. Um, but like it, because it was there earlier, like it, it like really won that it also had more modern features. Like it had, um, it had, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, private chats. They didn't have parties yet, but they had private chats, which I believe did not work on the Xbox or on the PlayStation. Um, they had like more modern, more modern, uh, invite systems of which PlayStations to me anyway, still feels quite dated. Um, because Sony's trying to show stuff off, right? Like, like their console had, their console could run Linux and shit, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Microsoft knew that like who the fuck like no one's gonna run Linux on these things like no one like no one cares so like that's <laughs> what I mean like Microsoft's very much like here's a here's a game console that's like relatively cheap and they even had the debacle of the Red Ring of Death and and all the break broken 360s they had the major debacle with that and it still came out on top because it became the default because as the sales rolled in the third party developers which make most of the games went over to Xbox. When the Xbox One PR nightmare happened, you have the default switching because uh, Jack Trenton at the time for PlayStation came out and just said the opposite, which is what gamers wanted. We're not always online. You could share the disc. You could do this. You could do that. And everyone freaked the hell out. There wasn't a mention at all, or at least not even, or at least not much to my knowledge about digital stuff and DRM and online this and online that, even though the market has shifted largely to digital sales. Um, that happened naturally, and Sony knew it was going to happen. They were just there for it, and that's a part about being the creative. So to, in order to get it to flip again, I think that we would have to start seeing e- either the next generation or this console has to start cracking at the seams. Not physically, but of course, like, for example, if Xbox, because they're just making rectangles, if Xbox is able to get the Series X down to the price of the Series S, Sony is going to be in trouble because they have this crazy form factor. Um, like, and they won't give that up, I don't think. But Microsoft doesn't care. Microsoft will make a Roku into an Xbox if they have to, in my opinion. Whereas Sony would never put their name on that, in my opinion, again. Like, it's, it's, I think that that's really where the issue comes in. Like, the, like, the, I'm I'm sorry to say it, but like the the Xbox Series X is just a console. Like you plop it on the like I literally took my Xbox One out, plopped this plopped this thing on its shelf, and that was it. The friggin' PlayStation, I had to position that thing because the sh- it almost took up the whole shelf, and that shelf used to house an external hard drive, a bunch of controllers, and the PlayStation Four. Now the whole friggin' shelf's taken up by the PlayStation. But I think I, I'm wondering if Xbox was getting a lot of praise. Up until the launch of the of the next gen consoles for being very consumer friendly, gamer focused, you know this is this is a box that that can just play all your old games, you can play all the way all the way back to the original Xbox, you know it has Game Pass, a super amazing value. Um, uh, the design looks like nice and can just fit into your entertainment units. You know they were doing all these things that they were getting heaps of praise for, you know, and I think is it paying off for them? Is my question. I think when you guys are talking about like when you go back to the, the the root question of like what is it that makes the PlayStation seem more appealing than the Xbox for example you're coming at it from the perspective of like people who understand the tech like you can talk all day and night about what is you know you're running Linux on what system or whatever like the average consumer isn't going to have any fucking clue about anything of that they just want to like you have to think about like the vast majority of people how many how many ps4s are out there how many millions of ps4s are out there and the vast majority of the people that own those ps4s are not tech people they're just people that want to play video games it's like so why did they buy a ps4 well it probably has a lot to do with the fact that like it has the games on it that they want to play or the um the multiplayer is there like they want to play with their friends 
I think that the answer to the question, you can break it down and, and try to look at the data about what is available on what system and, and what, um, you know, how this this chipset that's in this console beats out this chipset in another console and how the this can run it at this resolution and this frame rate, but the other one runs it at this resolution and this frame rate. Like you can you can, you know, talk about that back and forth for days. But I think the answer to it is a lot more simple than any technical jargon. Like when I was a kid, I bought the console that my friends had so that we could play games together or that, you know, then I'd see them at school the next day and we could talk about what we did in, in what games. Or, you know, I wanted to, we could, we could talk about what happened when we were playing multiplayer games together, that sort of thing. It it did didn't cross my mind at all that oh you know the the Xbox 360 uh, runs games at a lower resolution than the PS3 does but it runs them more consistently and more often at a higher frame rate like I didn't I didn't think about that at all um, really I think it has so much more to do with the end user experience than it does to do with the technical hardware piece of it. I, I agree with you. I, I do think that is accurate. But there is still some reason why a majority of people shifted from one console to the next during that uh, PS4 and Xbox One lifecycle, right? It just had to do with the end user experience, what it was going to mean for the average user at the end of the day, what the use case was going to be when they wanted to boot up their console and play some games. What was that going to involve? And the console that made it easier and more intuitive for the average consumer was the one that won. And and Tim makes a good point, too, because PlayStation, um, like I'm on Instagram a fair bit and like I subscribe to some or follow whatever you call it, some meme accounts. And the meme about video games is always about the PlayStation. I have literally have not seen a Series X or right. an S on there. Um, and so like the console term synonymous with gaming in 2020 2021 seems to be playstation so then that would bring those players over which would then cause the people who don't follow all this stuff to be like i want to play with my friends my friend has a playstation 5 i need to buy a playstation 5 and that would be the end of the um conversation and like that's why like my xbox crowd we play a lot of like shooters like call of duty whatever typical like kind of xbox uh, lineup um, but a few of them have a bunch of friends on Xbox, like other friends that like they work with or what have you. Right. And they play with those people. Um, they're all Xbox. And so, the one guy is huge into it. He has a Series X, but he's huge into Xbox, too. You know, so is the only way to get a leg up on your competitor, then. Is it to just hope that your competitor makes a mistake? I mean, no. it certainly helps, but you just have to, you know, look at what because what they offer. As but that's a what caused the, that's what caused the two shifts we've seen in the last console generation was that Sony made a mistake; everyone went to Xbox. Mm-hmm. Xbox made a mistake; everyone went to PS4. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can definitely learn from the past, right? You can yeah. observe that, and you can um, you can see well that's what did it. So likely, if that happens again, the same thing will happen. Um. But, you know, you can't bank on your strategy being your opposition making a mistake, right? No. But you that's why I'm to... asking, like, Xbox did all these consumer-friendly things 
and did it pay off? Are they gaining ground on Sony? I don't know. We I don't think, have I think it, we don't I have think the data. They w- I think they yeah. will, but I think they have to sell their features uh, to the consumer. Like they sell Game Pass, which sounds mm-hmm. great, but it's almost like going back to that car commercial thing that we just talked about. They don't sell the lifestyle about it. Like the best thing about Game Pass for me is not the fact that I have access to all these games because for me, especially single player games, take a while to get through. So playing a single player game on Game Pass that isn't, you know, sort of locked in there effectively because it's a Microsoft game is a little worrisome because the game, like especially if it's a third party game or when it's a third party game, I should say, uh, it can be taken away. Right. And so then it's like, shit, do I have to buy this now? Even though it's at a discount because it's leaving Game Pass, like shit, do I have to buy this? Um, But the best part about it is the friend aspect. Mm-hmm. If we all have Game Pass, there's no excuse. Like, there's no like, no guys, sorry, I can't play that. No guys, sorry, I don't want to buy that. Whatever. It's just literally like, what? Like, that's I, how I don't we... want to play that. What? What's that? You just have to say, I don't want to. Yeah, play I that. don't want to play that. There's no, there's no like, fuck, man, I don't really want to buy that other Call of Duty or no, I don't want to buy this or buy that. It's just like that's how we played Sea of Thieves. Like, I played Sea of Thieves. With you guys, but I also played it with my Xbox crowd, and it was because we all had Game Pass. I would not have bought that. Yeah. Yeah, I would not have bought. I would not have bought Sea of Thieves, and and that's how. Like, I think that they need to sell that. They need to be speaking, need, which, you know, like I, I would not have bought the medium. And now I'm, I'm installing it on my console. Yeah. Well, well, it's like, why do you think the switch has done so well? It's because Nintendo's their entire focus about marketing the switch has been the kind of lifestyle that the switch works for. Like that first uh, like announcement trailer that came out for the switch. They showed it for young people that aren't always at home. They showed it for working class people that are traveling a lot. They showed it for people who want a game on a console experience, but then also want to take it with them on the go. Like they want, it's it's for people who play games with their friends, uh, a la the way that you would if you had like a 3DS. Like they've always been about selling the kind of lifestyle that the Switch works for. And that's why it's done so well. I think they got lucky on how many people actually have rooftop parties and everyone... <laughs> Brought their Switch to their yeah, rooftop parties. The, the Switch really landed at the right time because the Xbox 360 tried that same strategy, and I don't think that uh, panned out for them as well. <laughs> all right. That's all we got for the show. Uh, thanks for watching uh, or listening. Uh, Tim, thanks for joining. As always. I believe you stream at a certain Twitch. I stream at a certain Twitch at a certain time, some might say. Twitch.tv slash yeah, that figures. Uh, we also stream our own Day One Patch uh, stream on uh, Twitch.tv slash Day One Patch Media. Wednesday night, guys. Wednesday at eight thirty ish. Eight eight thirty. We're in there. <laughs> we're not very strict about our schedule. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Have a good night, everybody.